0: Good morning. This is Pastor Patrick Hines, and it is Saturday and uh, the sixth day of doing shorter podcasts every day of the week. I don't know if you've been able to discern a pattern, uh, but I've been trying to do more podcasts. And on Saturday mornings, I'm going to be reading through my copy, my original 1923 edition of Christianity and Liberalism by Jay Machen. You know, everyone's always talking about their hundred year anniversary edition like it's the hundred year anniversary because it was published in nineteen twenty three and we had there is a new edition coming out and it's got a new forward in it and I'm like I've got the original and if you look at the inside of it here this is a gift from um, a dear friend at church it says New York the Macmillan company nineteen twenty three all rights reserved see that so this is the real deal and this book is kind of brittle I mean this is a hundred years old but this is gonna be a family heirloom uh, for years to come. So everyone who's always all excited about their uh, their 100 year anniversary edition, I've got an original. I wonder how many people have have these, like, and I'm wondering how much this is actually worth. <laughs> but I'm gonna keep it, because um, this is precious to me, because not only was it a gift from a friend at a church, a church member, um, but, they took the time to find this, and um, when they saw it, they, they thought of, of me and, and gave it to me as a gift. So, it was, was really special to me. So, I'm going to read just a little bit at a time. This book is so excellent, and it really, it really is a miniature, systematic theology of the entire Christian faith. And I think one of the reasons this book has stood the test of time um, is because of that. Uh, All of the doctrines, the entire Christian faith was being questioned and really discarded by the liberals. And so it goes over, you know, the introduction, it kind of describes the controversy. There's only seven chapters in the book. First chapter is the introduction, you know, here's the issues going on in in the Presbyterian Church. The second chapter is on the importance of doctrine, uh, because the liberals downplayed even that. Uh, Then he goes into God and man. I mean, what could be more basic than that when it comes to your your worldview and your understanding of the Christian faith? You need to have the right God and you need to have the right anthropology. You know, if we don't know who we are, if we don't know what we are, um, then we're going to have a problem. We're not going to understand who God is. You know, John Calvin goes into that in great detail in the Institutes of the Christian Religion. If you've not read the Institutes of the Christian Religion, I know it's a massive work, but the opening section of the book is knowledge of god and knowledge of ourselves and calvin says the two are are dramatically inter intertwined they are dependent on one another uh, if you don't know god you won't know what yourself you won't know what you really are you don't you won't know how sinful you are you won't know what your needs are and so it is absolutely vital that we have the right God and we have the right anthropology, that we have the right theology proper, the doctrine of God and the doctrine of man. What is man? How did the fall affect us? And I remember years ago reading, there's a little, a, a little section of Robert Raymond's systematic theology. He has a, a book called A New Systematic Theology of the Christian Faith. The last name is spelled R E Y M O N D. Raymond, Robert Raymond. And he, it's called Seven Effects of the Fall. And I remember going through that and looking up dozens of passages of scripture and it kind of hitting me like wow i know i never really thought much about what did what does the bible say about the way that sin affected me what did adam's rebellion do to me personally i think that's one of the reasons people don't understand um unconditional election because they don't have a they don't have a biblical doctrine of sin if you don't understand sin you're not going to understand grace okay same thing with covenant theology if you don't understand covenant theology you're you're not going to get the gospel. You're not, you're, just, you're not going to have the biblical categories in your thinking to understand who Jesus is and why it's essential that he is who he is, that he's fully God and that he's fully man, um, that he was born of a virgin. And that's one thing, and, and going over this, just the table of contents here, I might not even get to any of the text, today, but <clears throat> just going through the table of contents, I can't help but remember Harry Emerson Fosdick's horrible sermon that was printed you know hundreds of thousands of copies and distributed by john d rockefeller um john d rockefeller the oil man who like owned half the world uh, by the end of his life he was a flaming liberal and a promoter of that liberal false religion okay so john d rockefeller and i was watching the uh There's a really interesting documentary called The Men Who Built America, and there's a lot in it about Andrew Carnegie and JP Morgan and John Rockefeller, Cornelius Vanderbilt, the railroad guy. But they describe, you know, Rockefeller as a very devout Christian and a very devout Baptist who, you know, founded all these colleges. John Rockefeller was a liberal, he was a liberal, and he promoted that garbage. Okay, so if you watch The Men Who Built America, just remember he's not a devout Christian. He was an unbeliever and a God-hater, okay, just like Fosdick was. And if you read Fosdick's sermon, it's called Shall the Fundamentalist's Swim." I would encourage you, if you're going to take the time, and I would encourage everyone to do this, read Christianity and Liberalism by Machen. It's free online, I believe. If you just Google that, it's, it's actually, the first time I read it, I didn't even have the book. I just read it online years ago because it's, it's free. It's out there. Um, read Harry Emerson Fosdick. That's F-O-S-D-I-C-K, Fosdick his sermon, Shall the Fundamentalist Win, and then read Machen's book. Because Fosdick's sermon is absolutely, it's it's like someone raking fingernails down a chalkboard the whole sermon is. It's just awful, awful stuff. He says, well, when it comes to the virgin birth, there are very devout and godly and sincere Christian people who don't hold to this particular theory of the virgin birth. I'm like... And he says, and one theory of the virgin birth is that it happened. And another theory that some Christians hold to is that it didn't happen. And what Machen points out is that's a denial of the truth of the Christian faith. Okay, if you say, well, I'm a devout Christian. I just don't believe in the existence of God. But I'm very devout. You should sing hymns next to me in church. I really sing with all my heart if we're not true to the founding documents of our faith, the Bible, then in what sense are we Christian? You know, Machin goes into great detail about this sort of thing in, in the book. You know, people talk about having an experience with God. You know, God isn't to be known by propositions. We just experience him. And Machen says, well, maybe you have had an experience. The problem is it's not Christian experience. Okay? Everything that we believe, All that we are depends upon special, supernaturally given, divine revelation in scripture. And if we don't believe it, then we are not Christians. So Machen first has to go into great detail in the book. What is doctrine? Why is it important? Because the liberals, of course, were saying, oh, we have doctrine, we have doctrine. Um, But it's not that important. It's not that important. God and man. Do we need to have the right God and the right understanding of what man is and what sin did to us? Yes. The liberals, of course, said no. The next chapter, the Bible. The Bible. Important uh, important concept. What is the Bible? How should we view the Bible? Um, can anyone guess what the liberals thought of that? Okay. Uh, chapter five, Christ. Who is Jesus? What did he do? You know, what is the the message of the Christian faith about Jesus Christ. Absolutely essential. And Machen, this, this book is like 200 proof. I mean, it's just as crystal clear as it can be. And that's why 100 years later, people are still reading it. Because guess who's back? The progressives and the liberals are back. Oh yeah. Now, do they come out and say, we're progressives, we're liberals, we're here to deceive you. We're here to destroy the Christian church. No. And the naive and the ignorance, the erring and the wicked um, won't see it for what it is. But progressivism is everywhere. It's all over the place. I was talking to my dear brother who just went to Pennsylvania to finish his seminary studies. And he's working at a church there. And he's going to be, hopefully, Lord willing, if things work out well, going to take the, um, the pastorate there in a few years. I said, yeah, we had a bunch of people that just joined our church. I'm like, really? really? Great, Where, where'd they come from? They came from a, an OPC church down the road. I said, what? Really? I said, I said brother, you need to find out why, why'd they leave? And he said, oh, they told me. It, it, they told me after, after COVID was over, the session of that church went completely woke and critical race theory. <laughs> I thought, isn't that terrible? I said, okay, great. I'm glad they left. So brother, you've got work to do. You you can help be part of an oasis of light and truth that focuses on scripture, that focuses on the key doctrines of the Christian faith that will denounce that stuff. The critical race theory for, the, for what it is. Critical race theory and wokeism is a doctrine from hell. It is the doctrine of demons. It is evil, pure evil, all that stuff is. And it's a massive distraction. From the work of the Great Commission and from the exposition of the Word of God, plain and simple. And in fact, the most viewed sermon I've got on YouTube on my brother, uh, my brother Richard's channel is the one I did on critical race theory. (laughs) Um, And he titled it on there, uh, critical or what is it? Um, Critical, woke, woke, and critical race theory doctrine of demons, which is what I called the sermon because that's what it is. Uh, You need to call false doctrine what it is. It's it's from hell. It's it's evil. And that's what that stuff is. But that was an OPC church. And you think, OPC, hmm. Oh, that's right. This guy founded that denomination. <laughs> and they're going woke. I wonder, I wonder what Machen would have thought of that. I wonder what he would have thought of that. I think he would have probably written another uh, Christianity and Presbyterianism. You know, the, he'd be contrasting the truth with, with that, because that's not the truth. Okay, chapter 6 of the book is called Salvation. It's one of the best chapters of the book. It's just wonderful. And then the church. That chapter has nearly brought me to tears several times. Chapter 7. Because he speaks about the church. Isn't the church supposed to be where Christians can put the world of wickedness and unbelief behind and actually find peace and comfort in the gospel? Isn't the, Isn't this the place we're supposed to be able to do this? And instead, we find ourselves completely and totally at war constantly, even here. Okay, so that's the table of contents we are 11 minutes in all right i'm just going to read maybe the first paragraph christianity and liberalism chapter one introduction the purpose of this book is not to decide the religious issue of the present day but merely to present the issue as sharply and clearly as possible in order that the reader may be aided in deciding it for himself that's a great sentence because that's what the book is the book is not it's not you know primarily arguing you know against everything the liberals are saying all he's trying to point out in the book is that Christianity is one thing. Liberalism is not a different version of Christianity. Liberalism is a different and opposing religion altogether. That's the basic thesis of the book. And what's remarkable to me is H.L. Mencken, who was an atheist at the time that Machen wrote this, H.L. Mencken, a, a hostile atheist. Mencken is the guy who who um, coined that, that funny sentence. He said, a Puritan is someone whose greatest fear in life is that some someone somewhere might be having a good time. So Mencken hated the Christian faith, but H.L. Mencken read Christianity and Liberalism way back when it was first published. And H.L. Mencken, the atheist himself, said, look, anyone with a functioning brain knows that Machen has won the argument. And Mencken himself said that he himself was moved by the power intellectual arguments and by the this presentation of the christian faith directly from the pages of scripture he said it moved him now i don't think manken ever came to know christ i don't know that much about him but isn't that amazing here you have a guy who's just trying to set out the facts there's christianity it's belief about doctrine god and man the bible christ salvation the church and then there's liberalism which is not any of those things doesn't believe anything the bible says about any of this stuff and Mencken, the atheist, who looks at the whole controversy as a joke, basically, says he was moved by how potent Machen's argumentation and, and writing was. It says Machen, presenting an issue sharply is indeed by no means a popular business at the present time. <laughs> Machen, brother, it's still not popular. And I get, you know, there, people have left our church. You know, you're just too mean no one who ever struggles with lgbtism would ever talk to you i'm like i'm ever telling one guy uh yeah they do i get contacted by people a lot who have problems in that area um and apparently they don't they don't interpret my passion about things like that as being mean or unapproachable but i think soft effeminate men do so anyway <clears throat> it's, it's still not popular brother Machin a hundred years later Um, presenting an issue sharply is indeed by no means a popular business at the present time. Uh, that was in 1923. There are many who prefer to fight their intellectual battles in what Dr. Francis L. Patton has aptly called a condition of low visibility. (laughs) In other words, we don't, we don't want to go out there and do this because people are going to not like us and they're going to say mean things about us. You know, we don't want to do low visibility. Okay. Clear cut definition of terms in religious matters. Bold facing of the logical implications of religious views is by many persons regarded as an impious proceeding. You know, when I was still in the PCA, I pointed out side B Christianity is the doorway for side A. And even in our revoice report that I was on that committee, I did a case study of a, a woman named Julie Rogers. Julie Rogers was a counselor at Wheaton College who was promoting the side B stuff. I'm, I'm gay, but you know, I'm, I'm going to be celibate, but she never would call it a sin. And I made the comment online uh, on Facebook way back when I was on Facebook, someone posted a speech that she made, but she never identified the quote unquote orientation as sinful. She never said being gay was sinful. And I said, look, I watched this speech a couple times. I'll give her two years. In two years, she'll be full on side A. And people rained down fire on me for saying that. Yeah, it took seven months. Seven months later, she was side A, and now she's married to a woman. Machin says, clear-cut definition of terms in religious matters, bold facing of the logical implications of religious views, which is all I was doing, the logical implication of what she's saying. If the orientation is not sinful, why would acting on it be sinful? Because saying that, that desires aren't sin is the same as saying that actions aren't sin. And people got so upset that i said that but it's turned out to be true over and over and over again side b is the doorway side b is that we believe that you can be gay but um you don't have, it's still wrong to act on it we don't believe in gay sex or gay marriage what, what is side a gay sex gay marriage is all good side b if you're going to say the desires are, are not wrong and if you're going to say that the, the the idea of orientation is real you're on your way to side a it's just a matter of how long it's going to take you logically to get there The logical implications of religious views is by many persons regarded as an impious proceeding. Brother Machen, it's still regarded as an impious proceeding a hundred years later. And I've had people heap that on me many times. May it not discourage contribution to mission boards? Yeah, pointing out false doctrine and its implications for the rest of the Christian faith. Oh, that's going to hurt our tithing. That's going to hurt contributions to missions. Folks, if we don't have the gospel right, and we don't have God, right? And we don't have man and sin, right? What's the point of missions? You got to get the gospel straight before you get it out there. If you don't understand this stuff, what's the point? If, if we do not understand the divinely revealed truths of the Christian faith, what's the point of spreading it? Incredible. Incredible. May it not discourage contribution to mission boards? Yeah, looking at the logical implications of this liberal apostasy and unbelief, is not going to discourage tithing. I say, I hope it does discourage tithing, because why do you want people to spread heresy and soul-damning error? Says Majum. May it not hinder the progress of consolidation and produce a poor showing in columns of Christian, of church statistics? And I remember listening to a story. Um, it was uh, Ken Jones, uh, well, uh, uh, the Baptist guy from the White Horse Inn. Apparently long ago, when he first, he went to some church, I think it was called Greater Union Baptist Church in Compton, California. And I remember hearing him tell this story. I think it was that, that church. When he got there, it was a like a mid-sized church. And after preaching the Reformed faith for like two years, it was down to like 12 people. <laughs> Everybody left. Nobody wanted the truth. But then... The sheep started coming. The, the, those looking for bread, but were, who were everywhere being given stones instead, finally started showing up, and he just kept pressing on, expositing the text of scripture, preaching the Reformed faith, and now it's a, it became a vibrant church. So yes, Dr. Machen, you're right, and, and God bless you for saying it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt our church statistics. We're not going to be as big if we, if we stand up against all this stuff. But with such persons, we cannot possibly bring ourselves to agree. Yep, me neither. Light may seem at times to be an impertinent intruder, but it is always beneficial in the end. Man, what a great sentence. Light, the truth of God's word, it might seem at times to be an impertinent intruder, but it always is beneficial in the end. The type of religion. Which rejoices in the pious sound of traditional phrases, regardless of their meanings, or shrinks from controversial matters, will never stand amid the shocks of life. You see, that's the problem. This liberal garbage, this side B stuff, and all the, all the various forms that liberal progressive apostasy is taking today, it can't stand up when the bottom falls out of your life. It can't stand up. It's not going to hold you fast to any anchor because there is no anchor it's not going to hold you fast to any truth when the waves hit when the winds beat on that house remember what jesus said about that at the end of the sermon on the mount you know we used to sing songs about it when i was in sunday school as a as a child you build your house on the rock and the rains come down and the winds come and the rivers rise and beat on that house if you're built upon the rock your house won't fall but if you're built on sand, on the sand of progressivism and side Bism and wokeism and critical race theory and quote unquote social justice and ecumenism with Rome and other other religious groups that use traditional pious sounding phrases and everything else, when the bottom falls out and when you go through huge crises in life, your house is gonna fall because it's built on sand. That's what liberalism is it has a veneer of being christian but it's not at all it's like a tree that's dead that has apples growing all over it still hanging on it but they're all rotten and there's worms in them and there's maggots all over them but someone painted them bright red and you go to pick one and it looks like an apple and you go to bite into it and you realize it's not That's what progressivism is. That's what liberalism is. That's what side B is. That's what revoice is. That's what wokeism and critical race theory and these churches where the elders are going woke and getting into all that stuff. That's what that is. It's like a a worm-eaten, rotten, soft, gross, squishy apple that's painted bright red to look like a real apple. And you go to bite into it and it's not it building your house on sand right next to a river and as soon as the flood comes in your house is destroyed now building upon the rock of god's truth and his word and the truth of of the christian faith it's not popular it's not popular but it has one great advantage it's true and only the truth can set men free only the truth that jesus christ god and man died for our sins He was born of a virgin. He died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. And his righteousness is imputed to our legal account before God so that the righteous requirements of the law and the covenant of works are fulfilled when we repent and trust only in him for our salvation. That's the truth. That can get you to heaven. This other stuff, this other stuff is just another path to hell. Did you know that all the paths that lead to hell all have a sign over them that say heaven straight ahead there is a way that seems right to a man but the end is death jesus christ and his word is the truth and we believe in the divine inspiration of the whole bible down to the very words themselves god is a trinity of persons one god in trinity and unity salvation is salvation from the wrath of God against our sin and rebellion. Jesus Christ bore that wrath at the cross and trusting in his finished work is our only hope. So, okay, we got about five sentences into it. This is going to take forever. This this is probably going to take years to get through this because dear brother Machen, we're, you know, we see all the same stuff today. It's happening again. And you know what? I think long after we're all dead and buried in cemeteries somewhere, Um, our kids and our grandkids um, will be doing stuff just like this because the fight never ends. It doesn't end until Jesus comes back. And that's why the word of God tells us in Jude, contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And I want to say to elders, to pastors, if you don't have the stomach to contend for the Christian faith, you should not be a pastor. You should not be an elder. Thanks for watching or listening.